Hello everyone, my name is Dan Tamminga and you are listening to Masters of Science, a podcast in which I talk to master students about their study program and their master thesis. We discuss the content of their thesis, but also their personal views and experiences in doing this research. Today I will be speaking to Hilde Jongeling, master student, business informatics. Good to have you here today. Can you introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Hilde. I live in Utrecht. I'm 23 years old and I'm currently graduating from the Master of Business Informatics. And I'm doing that with an internship at the company ProRail. Can you tell me something about your master program? What's business informatics about? Business informatics is about how companies handle their IT infrastructure. It's a a really broad master program because um, you can go into the direction of software developing, into data and into processes. So that are the three main topics of the study. And um, with these three topics, you can decide for yourself in which way you want to develop yourself. And for each topic, could you describe shortly what's it about? Yeah, of course. Software is... um, On the one hand, uh, about developing software, so more the programming side. And on the other hand, thinking about what requirements a specific type of software should should meet. And data is about how to handle data, how you get data from a company, and how data is going going in in the company from department to department. And then the process is all about uh, how businesses are set up and how organizations have their processes and are doing things. And how do these topics come back in the study? Do you choose different courses based on the topic you're interested in? Yes. So actually everyone who's doing the master has to make a structure at the beginning of the master program in which you can decide which courses you want to follow. And every semester you can follow or every course period, you have to follow one compulsory course and one course that you can choose for yourself. And actually every topic, so software, data and processes, come back in all the compulsory courses. And next to that, you can choose for yourself in which one, which of the topics you would like to evolve yourself. And what's your what's your track? Um, my main interest is uh, the process side because I'm not that enthusiastic about programming. So I like to use applications and from the software side. And I think that uh, almost everyone is n- in the Netherlands is using in some kind of way software. So it's really interesting to s- think about uh, how software uh, is set up. But I don't like to r- really program it for myself. And data I like as well because you will see it everywhere. So it is an important topic, but I would like to to learn the most about process side. And this regards process in companies, right? Yes. Yeah, so for example, when a company is hiring a new employee, uh, they send their CV and the company is reading that and they're setting up Appointments with the uh, with the new employee to talk about yeah the company and this whole HR process is like from from the start when the new employees met until they are uh, welcomed into the company. This is one type of process that's on the one side a business process. It has to do something with humans, but on the other side, it's also put into an application and uh, the company keeps track of which person wants to work at the company or which they had been in contact with. So there's a a human side and an application side. 
And that's the type of process that's in a company handled where IT is involved. Right. And you would function as someone who's in between the technology and the people. Yeah, so exactly. So understanding the demands of the people and, and knowing the technology needed to meet those demands. Yeah, yeah. For example, for the HR process, there's a lot of uh, knowledge inside someone's head, and we like to think with the people how can technology help in for them in that way, so they don't have to think about that much, and they can work in a smarter and more efficient way. Sounds like really useful work. And the education in Utrecht is especially focused on businesses. Is that right? Yeah, it's right. Yeah, the uh, the bachelor here in Utrecht for this master program is information science. And in Utrecht, it's also focused on the business side. So uh, compared to other cities, uh, for example, Groningen and uh, Amsterdam, where the where the, the uh, pro program of information science is also offered, Utrecht is focusing on the business side. Amsterdam is focusing on the healthcare side. And Groningen is focusing on the language side. I see. And are there also other masters who um, follow another trajectory in, in Utrecht, like masters that, so that also come after the informatics bachelors? Yeah, you have some different types of master programs. For example, this one is um, not really focused on programming, but if you follow the bachelor information science and you really like the programming side, then you have, for example, the master program uh, informatics or human-computer interaction, which is more about how humans interact with the computer. And um, if you like more the psychology side, you also have some neuroscience master programs, I guess. So they offer a lot of different programs. I see. Um, I can imagine, though, that focusing on businesses uh, is uh, a practical way of applying your knowledge. Um, that there can be a lot of work in that. And there's a lot of demands, especially now yeah. um, with technology evolving, um, that there are demands at, at businesses for people who know about the technology and the business yeah, process. There, there's a high demand. Yeah. yeah, people that are following our master program are getting LinkedIn messages every week, maybe every day, because ah. uh, they really want to get you after you finish your master program. So we don't have to worry about the job. Was this, is this usually a motivation for people to follow this master's? Um, it might be a motivation, but I think if that's your only and main motivation, um, you will get stuck somewhere. Because you have to do what you like <laughs> and not what gives you the most uh, opportunity in work and also the most opportunity in money. I think so too. Uh, because it can also be quite hard, the master's. Or how is the difficulty? Uh, yeah, but I think that that applies for every topic. That mm -hmm. if you don't really like something, then you don't have that much motivation to finish it. So I think you should choose something that you really like and that you're most enthusiastic about. Yeah, well, I agree. And so the program is two years and you do one year of courses. And the other year is your master thesis. Well, not completely. We have one period with courses. So the master uh, project, so the thesis project is for nine months, which okay. is also quite long. <laughs> oh, okay. 
Could you tell me something more about these master thesis projects? What are they like? Yeah. Um, well, you start around, if you follow the, uh, the master program nominally, uh, you will start around November. And um, it's completely up to you what or where you start. So there's not uh, that much help in what you want. It comes completely to you. So I think around September or October, there will be an information meeting in which they say um, uh, they will give you more information about uh, the thesis project. But it's it's a good idea to start earlier because if you would like to get involved with a company, this will probably take a couple of months because you have to find a company. And after that, you have to find a, a thesis coordinator inside the university that will, would like to guide your project. And he or she also has to like the topic and needs to have knowledge in this area. So then you need to find the company, but also a supervisor. And then it should also be allowed by the by the program that you are doing this combination. Yes, and you do in every case do your research project at an external company. No, that's not the case. Okay. You could do it if you would like to. And uh, I think it's a nice opportunity to gain some more experience in the business life, especially because the master program is about business processes. The other opportunity would be to do it just inside university with yeah. with uh, a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe another university will be an option as well, mm. because it's always the case that when you are choosing a topic, then you have to find a supervisor that is interested in that topic as well. So you cannot choose a topic if there's no supervisor. So, for example, within our program, there are no supervisors that are interested in data security or uh, software security. So if you would like to graduate, graduate on that topic, maybe you can find a supervisor from another university, but I don't know if that's an option. And you, you did your thesis or you are doing your thesis at an external company, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm doing my master project at ProRail, which is the Dutch railway company that manages and maintains the complete Dutch railway uh, network. So it's all about trains and uh, railways inside the company. And um, I just started in November. And I started searching for a company back in March last year. Because my original plan was to go abroad and I was in contact with a company, but because of COVID, I was still a bit scared if I would like it to be abroad during these weird times. So then I decided to search for a company inside the Netherlands and uh, I found ProRail. Yeah, I understand that. that that's for a lot of people probably a choice they, they had to make within the last year. Uh, so you ended up at, at ProRail or did it? take a long time to to find a place uh well it's a funny story how i found the place because i moved to utrecht last year and it was my first walk around the city uh, around the singles and there i saw the the main building of ProRail, and it's the largest brick uh, building in the netherlands and it has this giant uvo on top ah yeah it's that one <laughs> yes and i was thinking huh which company should it be that has uvo on top and then it turns out to be ProRail, um, which I had heard of, but I didn't really know anything about the company. So then I thought, okay, if they have an UFO, it should be a nice company. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I searched for a bit more information and I found that they are doing really innovating stuff. 
And I uh, also found a project. They had a, a vacancy on their website uh, that I was interested in. So I emailed them and then I uh, had a meeting with them. And that was all around May already. Our thesis coordinator advised to start before the summer with searching for a company. Because over the summer, a lot of people are out for holidays. So, uh, yeah, I already told with the original abroad plan, I will start really early. But after that, I was so excited to start my thesis that I kept searching and I uh, found ProRail. And I had some meetings with them. And then before the summer, it was all around that I could start in November. So what is your position what is your task at ProRail? Yeah, um ProRail has a uh, really big ICT operations because uh they have to let the trains drive 24 hours a day. So, um I came into the department uh IT for IT and they manage all the IT applications within ProRail. Um for example, the ones they use to let the trains drive, so for the traffic control And you can imagine that if something happens uh, on the railways, that the people that are driving the trains have to know that immediately. So when those applications are not working anymore, uh, they need to be repaired uh, at that moment. So to keep track of all uh, the applications and if they're working or not, and if they're incidents, they have uh, a service desk, (laughs) the central service desk, the CSD. And they're also working 24 hours a day. And that is a big operation. They also have a lot of data and uh, processes. So that's where my study comes in. (laughs) Because they want to do their work smarter. They uh, have a lot of problems with finding new people. And yeah, if people get sick, like for the last couple of years with COVID, they have some problems with their planning. So they want to do their work smarter. And they also want to go from repairing the incidents to more like knowing when something will happen so that they can prevent it from happening. So Roderick and my task was to look for ourselves how we could help the company improve uh, in that way. So that was a really big topic to uh, (laughs) find a master project on. Also really interesting because that uh, gives me the opportunity to go into the direction that that I like the most, but also really broad. So when I started in November, I took, it took already a month to learn more about the company and what they're exactly doing and all the applications that they use. So after that month, I found in which way I would like to uh, to help the company. And that is with uh, finding out how they can automate their processes more. So um, to give an example, they are doing a lot of manual work at the moment. So for example, when something needs to get access to a new application, someone types in the name of the people the person that needs the access and then someone else types it again and then the next person types it while uh, that takes a lot of time which could easily be done by a computer so this is for example a process that could be automated and i would want to find out what other process there are and which one can be the first to be improved because yeah, you can imagine that if there's so many processes, there should be a starting point and you cannot do everything at the same time. No, you should first filter out the processes which are most relevant to fix first or are the most are easiest to fix. Which one do you first handle? Yeah, that's an interesting that's an interesting thing to think about because on the one hand maybe the easiest process, but if 
an easy process is only happening once a year, then it might not be the most interesting to start with. So if you have a more difficult one that is happening five times a day and is taking a lot of time, then that one is much more interesting to automate. So I want to make a method that is looking at all these kind of characteristics of a process and find out um, how you could prioritize the processes. Right. Okay, so your first step is actually prioritizing processes. Yeah, yeah, and then giving them an order in which they can start automating with. Or maybe there's even a step before first making a list of all the processes. Yeah. Before you can prioritize them. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So last week I um, delivered my proposal with my methodology and the way I want to work. So uh, for that, I already gained some processes. I held interviews within uh, the company with some of the process domain uh, people that know more about. Mm -hmm. And I start talking with them about uh, the way they work at the moment and which processes take up a lot of time and which they think could be easily filtered away by automating. Because, yeah, it would be too hard to just look around for processes and make a complete list of everything that's happening because I only have nine months. Right. So, um, yeah, I have some processes now. And based on that, I will look how much data I can gather about those processes. Because, oh, that I forgot to mention. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm also, for uh, making that prioritization, I'm also uh, looking at the data that is available. Because in the system where they keep track of all the incidents, they have a lot of data about all the processes they are doing and all the, all the uh, uh, steps they take to uh, solve some issue. So I'm looking at if the data can help me make a prioritization. What kind of data would that be? What what should I envision? Yeah, so that is data about like if there is an issue, they get an email and they put it in the system. They are keeping track of everything that they do. So how much time they spend on the issue, uh, which steps are executed, what the solution is. And I'm going to look if with that data, it's called event data, if I can see how the process is going now and which steps in that process are uh, the best to automate because they are taking a lot of time. And those tasks could, for example, be like the manually filling in something or typing something over. So the data you're then using is about how processes work at the moment. Yeah, and they are about how processes really work because processes like textual ones are more about how they should work. But mm-hmm. there's a difference in how processes are really going and right. how processes should right. be. Yeah. You want to know how they really go so you yeah. know how to improve them. Yeah. yeah. And to find out the difference, I'm using the technique process mining. This is a tool of a an, an, an name for a couple of techniques that you can use to visualize how a process is really going. And also how to... M- and that you can compare with a model of how the processes should look. And then you can see the difference between the processes. And uh, how do you do that? Is that Um, digitally or? Yeah, there are some tools for it. And um, like I said, the the event data that I'm searching for, you can put those in the tools and they will give you a really nice visualization about uh, how a process looks like uh, with the starting points and then all the steps that are happening and the ending points. So then it's it's visually really clear how something looks like. Are these like... 
boxes with arrows between them. Yeah, and, exactly. Okay, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that yeah. it is. Yeah, now I can. <laughs> nothing more, nothing I, less. I have, I have an image now. Okay, and then based on that, you know which processes can or should be optimized. Yeah. Um, and where do you go from there? Um, from there, I would like to have a use case that I would implement, so an automation that I would implement to show the company um, that my method works, if it is working. <laughs> so that, yeah, after I have written my thesis, that they also can use it to find other processes to automate. And they also have, like, all the steps to repeat my steps. Because you found the processes that you think should be optimized yeah. and you also think of a way how to optimize them right yeah yeah so the way of optimizing them is with automation and the type of automation that i want to use is robotic process automation okay. it's a short called rpa uh-huh. and well robotic might give the sense of like a, like a visual robot from the movies but it's it's not that interesting it's more like a really a short application or a script that mm-hmm. you put on your laptop and it is uh, you give it some rules and it is repeating them. So for example with the with the case of typing over all the all the names you just say uh, copy the name and paste it somewhere else. And then if there's name the robot will copy it and paste it. But if there's no name it will not do it or is it, if it's not in the right place. So it's doing nothing more than you tell it to, and it's also doing nothing less. So, uh, yeah. I see. It's basically, a, yeah, you don't have to do it manually anymore. Yeah. You don't have to write in a mail the information and send it, but the computer does that. Yeah, exactly. Right. And the nice thing is, about, is that in that way, an employee, a human employee, mm-hmm. Uh, gets more time to work on like more interesting uh, tasks and not on the boring task of copy and pasting stuff. And uh, also a robot uh, makes less errors. So humans might sometimes getting bored from simple tasks, so then they make mistakes. So a robot's not going to do that. It's just not doing its work if it's not there. And I mean, this means there's less work for humans as well. And, and it's a question that came to mind are... Is this not meaning that there's going to be less jobs? Yeah, that could be. And that's also why automation is not always really liked within companies. And I'm also experiencing that now. Because when people hear like robots and they're taking over our jobs, well, that is what they think. Then I would like to explain them that robots take over some part of your job, but they're also making your job more interesting. For example, at the department where I'm working at the moment, uh, at ProRail, I also had some people that were concerned about that the robot might take over their job. But they have so much work to do that if the robot would take over some of the simple tasks, so from solving the incident, they would have more time to find out how they could prevent the incident. So thinking more about how they could make their work smarter. And I think... and. They thought that as well after I explained it to them that that is more interesting. That makes their work more interesting than only doing the boring tasks that are happening every day. Right. And there's plenty of other work that can't be done by computers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you still need the human brain because there's a lot that robots cannot do. Yeah. But uh, there's also a lot that we can give to the robots. 
And more in general, um, do you think the options you will present to the company will be will be used, will be applied? Mm, I of course hope so. Yeah. Um, but I also think that it is difficult that, um, well, at least the department where I'm working at at the moment, they'll not have experience with this specific type of technology, so RPA. So then it might be difficult to maintain the technology. So, yeah, I hope they will. <laughs> but at least I hope to show them that automation is not a bad thing. And, uh, yeah, how much profit they can get from it. Yeah convincing them of that yeah exactly and also maybe um let employees get experience with a different way of thinking about their work instead of only doing the work think about how you maybe can improve it and they're also already doing it it's not that uh, i'm (laughs) like the only one thinking there about uh, opportunities to improve no no but i can imagine that it comes from from these kind of developments that a, a company can improve significantly yeah. especially if you have so much work to do then sometimes um like improving can be the last thing to do because you first have to do like the job that you have to do but i think it's it should always get some attention to innovate the way you're working yeah so maybe we've already touched upon it a bit but what motivates you in your in your study in your thesis um yeah i think what we just discussed is what I really like letting people introduce with new topics with new technologies that they maybe not have heard of before and then convincing them that it is it is a good <laughs> a good opportunity to improve it that they could innovate their work with it and that's also what I really like about my master program that um, in almost every course we get to know like new technologies in which you can work smarter or improve things and that's what I really like also to think about besides work or study. How can you make things smarter or do it in a more efficient way? And also concerning things that, that really pay off in a certain way, practical practical processes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That you can save time and uh, yeah, money and uh, boring work. Yeah. And do you work on understanding how processes work or do they already understand their processes and are you just looking to optimize them? Um, yeah, I think that last case okay. because I still don't have that much knowledge about their processes. They, okay. they, yeah. it, it's just they are doing so many pro- things, so many processes that um, it's really hard to understand all the different kind of things they are doing. They probably understand their processes themselves the best. Yeah, exactly. And um, they also have so many people in the problems that there are like domain experts for every <laughs> single process. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's okay. also really interesting that uh, I, for example, have some processes selected now to uh, investigate further. And then I also got some names for the people that I could get in contact with to talk further about the processes. So that's really nice. And they have like uh, topics on uh, different people. Different people inside ProRail? Yeah. Okay. So it's because they are managing so many stuff. And for example, the applications, they're using like a lot of applications. 
But every every application has its own uh, product owner that is keeping track of it and uh, make sure that it's maintained. So if I need some data, then um, they give me the name of the person that is uh, in charge of the application. So again, get in contact with them. And that's what I also really liked about my like about my internship that I get to know so many different people and. Um, yeah, it gives me like a car to just talk with everyone and uh, say, uh, I need it for my research. Uh, <laughs> let's right. talk. You really get an insight in, in such a big company. Yeah. The yeah. people and the processes. and. Yeah, exactly. And my previous experience with working uh, were all in smaller companies. And that is fun because you get to know like every every part of what a business is doing. But then I thought, okay, but how does it work in a big company? And uh, yeah, that I experience now. Yeah, I also think it's cool that the processes or the technological processes you're working on are pretty big. They concern a railway that covers the whole Netherlands and even go abroad. Yeah. And I think a lot of those technical systems are like that, are really big, influence a lot of people and places. Yeah, it does, especially with the trains. And a lot of people know the name ProRail uh, from the news because if something bad happens with the trains, ProRail is in the news. Mm -hmm. But what people might don't know is that um, the Netherlands is in the top three of most uh, most on-time trains of the world. So that's all to do to how uh, the planning is working and all the data that they're gathering. And of course, not only in ProRail, but also on all the uh, public transportation uh, operators right so but it's really cool that such a big operation is going in such a smooth way yeah and what kind of things did you learn from your thesis up till now uh, in the few months that you've been working on it um i think on the one hand that it's really nice to have so much time to just work on your own project uh, and that you can decide for yourself okay what would i like to gain more knowledge in but that is also like a bit of the negative side. It's really individual. So especially now with working from home, I uh, I can go to the office of ProRail, but they're not always uh, people from my team. So yeah, especially in the winter, I worked a lot at home. And then I got bored that I was alone and that didn't really motivate me. So I started going to the university with other people that had the, have the uh, same supervisor for the thesis. So now we work together at the university uh, at least at least one time a week. So that's nice to keep each other motivated and to work together uh, and share also what you're doing with your thesis. Because you might share it with your family or your friends, but they might not really know what you're doing. And no. <laughs> explaining it is um, maybe a bit too difficult to do when you're on a birthday or something. Right, and useful advice is probably more likely to come from other students who are in a similar process. Yeah, exactly. And of course, you discuss a lot with your supervisor. At least I do, because I have weekly meetings. Um, and she helps me a lot with yeah how to how to manage all the process of, of doing your, your thesis. But on the other hand, she's also the one that is uh, giving me a mark at the end. So then it's also nice to discuss it with other people to, to see how they are, they are doing things. Yeah. Yeah. So I would definitely recommend other people to make a group of other students that are working on their master thesis uh, to work together. In that way, also, y you learn the most, you think, or. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, also because it's really interesting to hear what uh, other people are working on. But also if you have problems and you're only working on yourself, it sometimes might feel that this, it is such a huge problem and you're you're not coming further and uh, like you're the only one. But then if you talk about it with other people, then you hear that everyone has the same problems. So for example, I um, I had some struggles with getting data and I thought, oh, it takes so long. But then I, I talked about it with the people that I'm working with and they said, oh, I also don't have data. So don't worry. <laughs> Yeah, that's it's nice to have something to compare your Yeah, exactly. To. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And when you finish your thesis, are you finished with your studies? Yes, I am. And I hope to finish uh in June. Okay. So and that's already That's not too far away. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> and I have a lot of work to do before oh. that. <laughs> okay, no, I wasn't wasn't meant to stress you out. Oh no, but, I'm not. Um, I, I am interested or curious to hear what... Do you have plans for after or did you already think about it? Um, yeah, I already start thinking because I'm also very excited to start working. Um, because as I said, this this is a, an individual project and it's on the one hand nice, but I'm also really looking forward to work together with a team of people and have the same purpose. So I, I <laughs> am really enthusiastic to start working, so I'm already looking for opportunities and orientating a bit about what uh, what are the possibilities. And I'm not sure yet. There are so many options. Um, maybe I want to do a traineeship. Um, maybe not. Maybe just a junior position. I would like to travel sometimes, but it's also kind of hard now with COVID if it could happen. I don't want to let my future plans depend on if, uh, if I can travel or not. So maybe a spontaneous trip sometime. But. Mm-hmm. I think I will just start working in September. And are there frequent employers or where do students of business informatics usually end up? Um, Well, there's some directions in which you could uh, easily evolve, especially if you look at the three topics. So software, there are opportunities for software students into the software developing so like a programmer and you have so many different types of programming languages that for each programming language you have different types of uh, opportunities and then for the data track you have jobs like data scientist and data engineer to make like the data inside the company more visible and then for the process tracks you have jobs like business process owner or process specialist or um yeah, maybe someone who improves them. I don't know if there's a job name for that, but mm-hmm. I would like it to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's really interesting that with the master program, you have so many opportunities. And still, if you're finished and you've just developed yourself in one of the tracks, but you don't like the jobs, then you can still go to another job because companies are also willing to learn you into the job. So it's not a fixed path that you follow. I see. And... I can imagine a lot of people are joining a company after their study. Are there also people who continue in academia? Uh, yeah, I do think so. That people go into PhD uh, positions, especially because it is a research master program. And it's not uncommon that people already publish papers during their master program. Because for a lot of courses, we have to write a, a paper in the end. And uh, the teachers really make you enthusiastic to try to publish it. So that is really nice, I think. And besides that, there's also an entrepreneurship track inside mm. the study. 
explain some courses offer you the chance to design your own company together with some other students. And if at the end of the course, it is really something that you would like to go on with, they offer you the option to take that, that idea to a next course and develop it further. And if it's still going on, then you can even write your thesis about your idea. So that's really nice. Yeah, sounds like <laughs> a lot of opportunities. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And those PhDs, are these at companies or at universities? Yeah, at least at the university, maybe companies mm. as well, but I'm yeah. not quite sure how that works. No. And it's also hard to find information on it because I know that companies that pay a lot of attention into their into research, like the big companies like Booking and Facebook, they offer PhD positions. But I'm not sure how that works with the university. Mm. Do you have any tips for people who want to do their thesis at a company? Yes, yes, I think I have two. First one would be to start early when you're looking for a company to make sure everything is set up and you don't get delay in your study program. And the second one is to make sure that the company has data for you, especially for our master program that is really important. But I think for other master courses maybe as well, because some, for example, consultancy companies, they, uh, they can offer you an internship place, but they don't have their own data. So then when you have to uh, start doing your internship and your research, they have to set it up with a client of them and it might give some problems and uh, cost you a lot of time. So I will make sure that this is arranged before you start. So research carefully the kind of job or internship you're applying to. Yeah, or ask it uh, before how they would like to do it. So to make sure that they have... Maybe they already have a client and have the data and they can provide it to you. Mm -hmm. But if they have to search after you started your internship at their place, then I think it might be hard to uh, not get delayed. Right. Thank you for your insights, Hilde. And thank you for talking to me today. No problem. It was uh, nice talking to you. We've come to the end of this podcast. Thank you for listening.